Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Nehemiah chapter number one. We began a series uh, last week, is really when we got into it. Two weeks ago, we kind of brushed against Nehemiah, but really last week we began diving deep into the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is it's an incredible story. Actually, the book of Nehemiah, the same story is told in Ezra and Nehemiah. It's really in the Hebrew Bible. It is one book. We broke it up in the English Bible. But in the original Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah were one book telling the same story. Uh, and it's a story of how God has redeemed and reconciled Israel to him, how he has sent them home. Uh, of course, they suffered judgment because of their sin. Uh, because of their turning their back on God and their idols, uh, God has sent them into captivity as he promised he would. Uh, but then he lays on the heart of the kings of Persia and the kings of Babylon to allow Israel to go back and, and reestablish the worship and rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall. And so really, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah is telling the story of God's people returning to a relationship to him. And it's got some wonderful, incredible men and women in there and some beautiful stories. But when we read uh, the Bible and we read these stories, we, we look at the men and the women in the Bible, uh, we can look at them one of two ways. Uh, one of the ways that people look at them, uh, and I call it kind of our, our veggie tales Christianity, is we, we make them heroes. They are incredible men and women. You know, Samson, you watch the VeggieTales version, and Samson is this righteous, powerful man, and he's got this incredible superhuman strength. And we really, when you read Bible stories, and even uh, several years ago, they, they did a, 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 a mini-series of, of the Bible, through the Bible, and told the story of the Bible. And I really enjoyed it until they, uh, they had P. Diddy Combs as a Bible scholar. And I thought, I don't know if P. Diddy knows the Bible that well. But they, they would tell the story of Samson. They had this huge, muscular, bodybuilder man. And really, when you read the Bible, uh, I don't believe he looked like that. I believe he, he kind of looked like Mike Connor, uh, tall and skinny, like a stiff breeze would blow him over. Uh, that's what made him so incredible. But we read these stories and we think, man, Jonah was a, a hero of the faith. And David, you know, he slew giants. And, and man, just these incredible, powerful, almost superhuman men and women that because they were great, because they had some incredible ability or incredible talent, they were able to do incredible things for God. We kind of look at them like we look at Michael Jordan. Now, without a doubt, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And if you think it's LeBron James, you're an idiot. Uh, and you're wrong. I hate to tell you that. Uh, but Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. And when people talk about great basketball players, his name's always at the top of the list. If they're still playing basketball in 100 years, they'll still be talking about Michael Jordan and how incredible he was. And here's the thing. When you look at someone like Michael Jordan and just the sheer talent that he has, you understand why he's such a good player. I could never go one-on-one against Michael Jordan and have any chance whatsoever of even dribbling the ball. Uh, Even now, I mean, he's, he's older now, but he could still 
dunk on top of me with ease and beat me with ease because he's just got such incredible talent. So we look at these men and women in the Bible and we, we put them on pedestals and they are superheroes that we can never live up to. And when we do that, the stories in the Bible don't become a blessing, they become a burden to us. Because how can, I can never have a heart like David. I can never have the courage of Daniel. I can never have the power of Samson. These are just impossible goals that I can never reach. And so when we do that, we, we rob ourselves of the power of God. We exalt the people and diminish God. And so we rob ourselves of the ability and the knowledge and the truth that God wants to work through us just like he worked through those men and women. And if you really pay attention to the Bible and you read the Bible as it's supposed to be written, writ, read, you understand that the characters in the Bible, they're just like us. They're messed up men and women. They're broken men and women. Yes, David slew giants. David also committed adultery and murder to cover up his sin. David also, yeah, David allowed his, his son to rape his half-sister and do nothing about it. So, yeah, David had some great victories, but David was a mess. Yeah, Abraham's the father of our faith, but Abraham, he had faith in God to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to where God showed him, where God was going to give him a land flowing with milk and honey. And yes, he had incredible faith, but he also lied about who Sarah was so he didn't have to, because he was scared men and women, men would kill him to take Sarah. So he allowed men to take Sarah as their wife because he said, oh, she's just my sister. So he lied to protect himself. So yeah, Abraham had some great faith, but he was just a messed up guy. The men and women in the Bible, some of them come from, from broken homes. Some of them have some really just, just crazy backgrounds. But God used them in an incredible way. Because God doesn't want us to see how great they are, but he wants us to see how great he is and how he can use anyone. And so when we read it and we see these men and women as as how they really are, that they had issues, that they, they had problems, but God still used them. We focus on God's power and God's glory and not theirs. We see that God works extraordinary miracles through ordinary people, and that's an incredible truth because that tells us God's power is available to us too. The same spirit that indwelled Samson who was a mess on his own. You know, again, you read the book of Judges, the men and women of the Judges that we think, oh, they're great heroes. No, they were not. Gideon was a mess. All of them were a mess. Samson was a mess. But the same spirit that empowered him and allowed him to carry the gates of the city away and allowed him to kill a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey and allowed him to pull the temple down and kill more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. The same spirit that empowered him is the same spirit that empowers us. The same God that used him is the same God that can use us. And so it's important to see that in the book of Nehemiah, Yes, God used Nehemiah to do an incredible work and to revive the city and to bring people back to God. But Nehemiah was just a regular guy 
who was being used by an extraordinary God, and that same power is available to us as well. So we saw last week how God, if we are going to be used of God to be restored and to revive and to rebuild the kingdom of God, then we we really saw what our heart had to be to be used for God. You know, Nehemiah, he hears that the, the gates of Jerusalem are destroyed, the walls are burned down, that the city's just in shambles, and it broke his heart, which when you, when you really study it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. This is, he is getting this news about 150 years after Jerusalem has been led to captivity, which means Nehemiah has never seen Jerusalem. He's not from there. He was born in captivity, born in Persia. He is 800 miles removed from the destruction of Jerusalem. He doesn't know anybody there. He didn't see his family get slaughtered. He didn't see his house get burned down. He didn't see the destruction of the temple. He just heard about it. He heard, yeah, there was a city that 100 years ago that you've never been to, that you don't know people there. It's in trouble. But his heart is broken. He is having compassion for this. And he's not only, you know, 150 years and 800 miles removed from this city, he's got it pretty good. Yes, he's in captivity. He technically is a slave, but he's got it pretty good. He's the, the cupbearer of the king. He is the taster, the, the food taster of the king. He's the one that eats all the food and drinks all the king's wine to make sure it's not poison, which means he's eating pretty good. You know, the king doesn't eat ramen. Not that there's anything wrong with ramen. I like me some ramen. But the king's not eating that. He's eating filet mignon. He's eating, you know, bacon-wrapped scallops. He's eating the best of the best. As, as Chiamos tell us in Sunday school, he's eating snails because snails are a delicacy. And, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not that hungry right now, but uh, snails are a delicacy. And, uh, you know, if he was living today, he'd be eating fried eggs every day because eggs are expensive. Uh, and famous chickens are laying them, I'm assuming. But so he's eating the best food. He's drinking the best drink. And so he's living in the palace. And again, as a king, you want to keep your food taster happy. So Nehemiah is not mistreated. He's got the best clothes, he's, got the, he's a well-respected person, the king's nice to him, because you don't want to be mean to the guy who's making sure people don't kill you. Uh, so he's, he's got it great. He's got a good life. Nothing in Jerusalem is affecting him. But he hears about how bad people, he doesn't know, have it, and he's heartbroken. He's moved to do something. We saw God really wants us to have a heart that is moved by the pain of others, that sees how people are hurting, that sees how people are struggling, that sees the pain and the, dis- and the, the problems that people are, are, are dealing with, and not judge them, not condemn them, but be heartbroken because of them. God doesn't want us to turn a blind eye to the hurt and the pain of others. He wants us to engage in it. See, God shows us mercy so we can show others mercy. And today we're going to see how we can pray so that we can have a heart to live that way. You know, as Christians, we, we know we should be praying. How many of you know, as a believer, 
you should have a prayer time where you talk to God. All right, everybody but Lewis knows that. <laughs> so we all know as believers we should talk to God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you stink at it? You know you should pray. I told you don't raise your hands. But you know you should pray. We, we know the Bible says that, pray without ceasing. Oh, you know, we know we have that privilege, we have that honor. But, you know, and, and poll after poll after poll shows Christians know we should pray, but man, we just are bad at it. We don't have a prayer life, we don't have a prayer time, and we stink at praying. Nehemiah is going to show us some things that help us with that. Now, again, Nehemiah is not a superhero. He's not a super Christian. We don't know a lot about him at the beginning. You're going to see at the end of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah's got some problems because people don't treat the wall that, he, that God used him to build the way he thinks it should be treated. So he starts pulling out people's hairs and spitting on them. Nehemiah overreacts a little bit. So he's not a superhero Christian. He's a regular guy, but God uses him in an incredible way. So start reading in chapter 1, verse number 4. And it came to pass... When I heard these things, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So, he, again, he, he hears about how Jerusalem was destroyed and the news breaks his heart. So we, we really, before you even get into how we pray and what he's praying, we've got to ask ourselves. When you hear about the pain or the hurt or the difficulty someone else is going through, what is your immediate response? Now, here's how most of us work. If it's a family member, if it's someone we know and love and respect, we, we feel bad for them. We're heartbroken for them. But if it's someone we don't get along with, someone we think maybe are a little too high and mighty, maybe a group of people that we don't like how they live and we see here something bad happen, we, we tend to judge them or condemn them. Well, they... You reap what you sow. Aren't you glad you don't reap what you sow all the time? Aren't you glad God chose you mercy? But Nehemiah, again, he's here in a group pain. People he doesn't know, he could care less about. But he's, he's heartbroken because of it. Look at verse number five. And here's where we're going to read a little bit longer. Uh, and I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were, though there were of you cast into the uttermost part of heaven, yet I will gather them from thence, and I will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power. 
And by thy strong hand, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So we've, we finished verse number chapter uh, 1, and we're going to look at chapter 2 real quick, but chapter 1 is, is mostly Nehemiah's prayer to God. He hears about how bad Jerusalem is, how terrible the people have it, and he's heartbroken. And he says, day and night, I go before God, and this is what I'm praying. I am begging God to get involved. I am reminding God of his promises. I am praising God for what he's done, even though it's bad. I am thanking him day and night. I have a time where I go before God, and I just lay my heart before him. Look at chapter 2. Look at uh, verse number 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, that's not the car, the 20th year of our taxis, the king, that was before him. Uh, and I took up wine and gave it to the king. And now, uh, and now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? Is this nothing else but sorrow of heart? Then I was very sore afraid. So, now, how does the king know Nehemiah's not sick? Because you're the cupbearer of the king, you don't get sick and then drink and give it to him. You don't have the flu and go, hey, king, here you go, it's, this one's fine. You know, you don't, if you're sick, you stay away from the king. And if you're not sick and you drink of the wine and get sick, you don't give it to the king because then it's poisoned. So the king's like, I know you're not sick. You better not be sick. So why are you sad? What's going on with you? Uh, so, and now it scares Nehemiah because you are not to be sad in the king's presence. That's, that's against the law. He could be killed for this. So he, but he's just, he's so heartbroken, he can't control it. He goes before the king. The king says, why are you sad? You're not supposed to be sad. And so he's scared. Then look, look at chapter uh, 2, verse 3. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's uh, sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make this request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant has found, and if thy servant has found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father Sephakers, that I may rebuild it. This is a bold request of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, why are you sad? Because you people destroyed my city, and that city you wrecked and destroyed and pillaged and plundered that you stole me from, my family from, and that I've never seen, but you destroyed that city. Can I go back and fix it? It's a, it's a bold request. Where did he get the, the courage? See, we see in the book of Nehemiah, in these first two chapters, we see two different types of prayers that are happening in this passage. The first one is big block of prayer. Big block prayers. This is what we see in chapter 1. Where Nehemiah, he takes time every single day. He goes before God every single day. And he pours his heart out to God. 
He is just going before God at a set time every day and letting him know what is bothering him. If you've been in church any amount of time, you know what this is called. We call it quiet time. It's your devotions. It's your time alone with God. Where you have a, maybe you have a prayer list, and you have a prayer time, and you have a prayer closet, and it may not be an actual closet, maybe it's a closet, I don't know, but you have a, a time, a place where you get alone with God every day or most days, but you have, I'm going to, at this time, in this place, I'm going to get alone with God, I'm going to go through my list, and I'm going to pray. And it's our daily prayer time. We know we should have that, but most of us, if we're honest, we struggle having that daily set time where every day, no matter what, I'm going to get alone with God, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pour my heart out to God. And here's the thing, maybe you do have a time where you're faithful at it, you're great at it. Every day, no matter what, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., whatever it is, you have your time, I'm, I'm meeting with God, and you go through your list, but it's kind of boring. You may be, you're doing it, but are you getting anything out of it? And so what Nehemiah does, he hears about the burdens of Jerusalem. And read his prayer again in chapter 1. He doesn't go and just say, you know, what we tend to say, God bless the Jerusalem. You know, God bless the missionaries. God bless my mom. God bless my dad. God bless the preacher. Y'all can, y'all can say that one a bunch if you need to, because I need some blessing. But, you know, God bless this, bless that, bless that. That's not what he does. He is going to God and saying, God, I am broken by this. And, Lord, you, you said you were going to fix it. You said you were going to make everything right. Lord, but, Lord, I am, I am devastated by this. Here's the thing we need to understand about our prayer life. We, as children of God, have the privilege to come before the creator of the universe and pour our complaint out to him. David said it in Psalms, I poured out my complaint. And when you study the, the Hebrew, what David is literally saying is, I, I went before the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and I vomited everything that was making me mad. I went to God and said, God, this isn't fair. God, you're mistreating me. God, my, 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 my loved one is sick and dying of cancer. And Lord, I don't know what to do about it. And Lord, the doctors don't know what to do about it. And God, I'm just heartbroken and I need you to do something. And he just poured his heart out to God. This is more than just going through the prayer list. Look, I think we should have a prayer list because it helps us kind of keep on track. But we need some time where we're just getting alone with God and we're letting God talk to us through his word and we're letting God know our burdens. Letting God know our hurts. Letting God know about our dreams and what we care about. Every day, Nehemiah took time to get away from the distractions and talk to God one-on-one. -on -one. That is vital to you having a thriving, growing relationship with God. It's just like any other relationship. You know, April and I have these times. Now, we don't have as many as we should, and I, I know that because when we skip these times, 
issues come up like did this morning and last night where we have to get alone and I have to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. Let's talk about this real quick because I can't get up and preach when I know we're not right. So you did that? Yeah, I did that. Why? Because I want to make sure I'm right with God and her before I try to give you anything. But we have these times where we'll get together, we'll shut off the TV, I'll put down my phone, she'll put down her phone, and we'll talk about what's going on. We'll share about the hurts we've dealt with. Maybe hurts we've given to each other. Maybe hurts other people have given us. We'll talk about dreams we have and goals we have and what God's talked to us, what God's doing in our life. And as a family, as a married couple, we need those times where we just, we shut everything else off. The kids leave us alone. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we shut the bedroom door and we usually if we shut the door, they'll leave us alone. Because they think we're, they, they just don't want to know what we're doing in there. And we can just be talking, chatting, whatever. But hey, it works. Shut the door, they leave us alone. So we'll shut the door. We'll make sure the dogs are out. Sometimes we'll go out to dinner. And we're like, hey, we need, to go, we need, we need time to just reconnect. Just big, t- where we can just talk to each other. She can tell me what I've done to make her mad. And five hours later, I can give the three-minute thing that she did to make me mad. And so she's got her huge list. But we can just, we can pour our heart out to each other. We can talk to each other. We need those times. Those are vital for us going to get, growing together as a couple. And if we don't have those times where our relationship suffers, how do you know that? Because we've, we've kind of neglected that time. We've been busy the last couple months. And I've noticed last couple weeks we're getting a little snippy. And I'm like, you need to get in your place, woman. And she looked at me and said, your place is going to be the hospital, man. Uh, but no, I, did, I know, I'm like, we, we got to take some time to reconnect. Because we don't have those, our relationship suffer, suffers. Same way with God. If I go months, weeks, days without talking to God, my relationship with him is going to suffer. And here's the thing. It doesn't come out with me being snippy with God. It comes out with me being snippy with everybody else comes out with every other relationship. I have got to have time alone where I just shut everything off. I shut the phone off. I, I, I shut the TV off and I just get alone with God and I allow him to talk to me through the Bible reading. And then I pour out my heart to him and allow and, and tell him what's bothering me. If I don't have those times, I'm going to suffer. So I gotta, you, we all need that. Those big block prayers where God, this is you and me time. I'm not going to look at my phone. And look, the technology today is great. And you, we have so much access to so many devotions. And, you know, when I, when I get up and I, I get up before everybody else most mornings uh, and I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee and once I'm awake, uh, I'll, I'll read my, my devotion from uh, the men's devotion, which is, is not Ian Bounds, it's Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, so I'll read our devotion from the men, and then I'll open up my Bible app, and I'll, I'll read whatever we read in the, in the Bible project. We're, me and April are doing that together, and then I'll listen to a podcast. And so I listen on my phone, I listen to a podcast on my phone, I'm reading the book, and those are great. It kind of gets me going, but when it's time for me to really you know, get alone with God and allow God to talk to me, i got to turn my phone off. I usually wait until I get here to do that because at home, there's just too many distractions. 
And I could give God a good five-minute prayer time, but I know me, and I need more than that with God. So I'll, wait till I get, I'll turn off the everything and get alone in my office and just, just pray to God. Sometimes I'm going through my list because things are going great, and I'm like, God, thank you for this, and Lord, I want to praise you for that, and Lord, this person's having an issue. I want you to, can you please get in that? Sometimes I just pour out my heart. God, that's just, I don't think this is fair. My wife's being mean to me again, and I don't like it. Smite her, the Lord, and he says, well, maybe you should get right first. So, but, you know, I, I, sometimes it's a, my prayer's different every day, depending on what I'm dealing with, but I got to have them. If I don't have it, my relationship with God's going to suffer. That's what Nehemiah's doing. He's getting along with God. He's pouring his heart out to him. But he also has small block prayers. He's got the big block where, Lord, every day, he says morning and night, so he did it twice a day, but he goes, Lord, every day I'm going to get alone with you. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to pour my heart out to you. I'm going to listen to you talk to me. It's just me and you time, God. I'm going to do it every day. But he also has these, these quick prayers throughout the day. He takes time to get alone with God, but then before he goes before the king, look at chapter 2, uh, verse 4 again. Then the king said to me, what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven. So he goes before the king. He's just doing his duty. He's making sure the king's not getting poisoned. The king's like, hey, Nehemiah, what's, what's bothering you, man? Something's up. He's already spent, I don't know, he may have spent an hour, two hours, three hours, ten minutes. I don't know. He's already been with God day after day after day, fasting and praying about this. But now the opportunities arose. So before he even talks to the king, he says, God, I asked you about this. Help me now. He's just sending out these quick prayers throughout the day when a problem arises. Okay, God, I've, I've been talking to you about this. Now help me. He's not at church. He's not in his prayer closet. He's not in his devotional time with God. He's at work. But at work, he realizes, God, I know I talked to you this morning, but I need you right now. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need you to help me find favor with the king. This type of prayer is just as important as his daily time alone with God. Because, yes, he's talked to God. He's unburdened his heart. He's talked to the creator of the universe. He's let him know what his prayer requests are. But now something's happened. He's like, okay, God, now, now I need you right here. Lord, I gave you my heart, but now, right now, I need you to get involved. And it is just as important. This is time throughout the day where we understand our need for God and we connect with Him just in that moment. This is, this is true with just any relationship. Yeah, me and April, we do have our times where we spend time and we just talk together and we just, just discussing what we're dealing with or what we're, what's burdening us or whatever. But we also talk throughout the day. She also sends me texts throughout the day. Now, she gets mad when I don't answer her texts right away, but she'll send me texts. I'll reply, we'll text each other. Hey, don't forget to pick this up from the way home. Hey, and I, sometimes I'll text her, hey, I love you, and then she'll text me back, what's wrong? <laughs> Nothing's wrong. I just love you. I just want to tell you I love you. What, why? What happened? What's going on? What did you do? But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk throughout the day. You know, she'll, she'll text me, hey, how'd your meeting go? Hey, how'd this go? How, what's going on? We'll talk when I get home. We, we have conversations throughout the day. If, I, if all we have 
because just quick conversations throughout the day and no big time, our relationship is going to suffer. Just like if I were to come home and she says, how was your day? And it's like, oh, no, we, we talk Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m. We'll talk then. How many of y'all think our marriage is going to last a whole lot? It's not. We have to have these big times where we get together and just focus on us. And we have to have these quick conversations throughout the day. Both of them are vitally necessary for a strong, healthy relationship with a person, but also with our Heavenly Father. And here's the thing. Some of you are great at big block prayers. You got your prayer time. You got your prayer place. You got your prayer list. No matter what people know, this is when they're praying. Their phone's off. They're in their closet. They're, they're talking to God at that time. But once you say amen, you don't talk to God again until you meet him in the morning, the next morning. Now, you may pray for your food. Lord, bless this food to my body's nourishment and strength. And God's looking at heaven going, a double cheeseburger? I don't think I can bless that to your body's nourishment. But whatever. But we don't, you don't go, you'll, you, you say amen, you get up, you go through the day, a problem comes up, and you don't go to God about it. You think, I'll take care of it. If it's still happening, I'll talk to God tomorrow. Some of you are the opposite. You stink at prayer time. You have tried everything. You don't have a prayer time. You don't have a prayer list. You don't have a prayer place. But man, something comes up during the day, and you're going right to God. Lord, help me make sure I don't kill my coworker. Lord, my kids, Lord, you gave them to me. I know you say they're a blessing, but I don't think right now. You better do something. So you're constantly, you're going to God throughout the day, but just these quick little Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, which are great, but you're missing the big picture. You're missing the big prayer. Or you're going to God every day. You may spend 30 minutes, 45, an hour in prayer to God but you don't talk to him again until your next appointed time. Lord, our appointment's over. We'll see you next time. And you have to have both of them to thrive in a healthy, growing relationship with God. You've got to have both of them to have a heart for God, to be able to be used of God, to do something for God. We see that in Jesus' life. He had times where he pulled away from his apostles, from his aside from everybody and just just prayed but also you remember he's hanging on the cross father forgive them they don't know what to do you know what he's doing he sent up a quick prayer god i know i talked to you this morning but i'm still i need i need your help right now he had to have that to have a relationship and he's he's god in the flesh and he needs that for a relationship with god the father how much more do we need that in our life? We've got to have these times of, yes, we're praying to God, we're going to our closet, we're reading our Bible faithfully, but we also need times where, okay, God, I read my Bible this morning, but now I'm at work, and that woman at work that I've, I talked to you about this morning, I need your help right now. Give me wisdom. Give me guidance. We have to have them each and if you, don't have the, if you don't have both, you're not going to thrive. So here's the problem. If you, if you struggle, if you're one of the ones, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you, if you struggle with your big block prayer time, and, you know, it's the first of the year, 
if you struggle with it, you probably, in your resolution, thought, I'm going I'm to get faithful in my, in my I'm going st- to start a prayer time. But here's the thing, if you struggle having time where you talk to God alone, if you have an hour in the day come free, you are not going to pray to God during that time. You know what you're going to do? You're going to watch Facebook. You're going to be on TikTok. You're going to watch Netflix, because that's what you do. You don't have the habit of taking time to be alone with God, so you don't, you, you've got to make yourself have that habit. And if you don't have the habit of going to God throughout the day, when something comes up, you're not going to do it. So you've got to, got to get in those habits. Here's what I'm going to encourage you this week. I want you to, if you struggle with having a prayer time, I want you to right now decide this is my prayer time. Now look, if you have never had a consistent prayer time, I'm not telling you, okay, get up tomorrow morning at 4 a.m., and from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. is your prayer time. You know what you're not going to do? Pray. So just say, okay, I have to leave for work at 7.30, so I'm going to get up 10 minutes early and just give myself 10 minutes in the day, in the morning, where I'm going to read my Bible for five minutes, and I'm going to pray for five minutes. Don't go for an hour of prayer. Don't say, well, I've never prayed a day in my life, but I'm going to have my sweet hour of prayer this morning. No, you're not. You're going to have your, your 30 minutes of prayer and sweet 57 minutes of sleep. So say, I'm going to 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, and just say for five. And it doesn't have to be in the morning. If you're not a morning person, don't do the morning. Do the evening. Do your lunch break. I don't care if you do it in, your, in the parking lot in the car before you go into work or school. Just say, I'm going to take five minutes and talk to God. And look, you, you do need a little list. So here's what I want you to do. Before you start praying those five minutes, just think, what do I want God to help me with today? Pick three things. I don't care what it is. Pray for your sick dog. I don't care. Pray for the, the toe, the hangnail you have that God would heal. I don't care what it is. Just pick something and pray for it. Say, God, I'm going to start this habit of talking to you every single day. And just, just say, this is my time where I'm going to begin to start the habit of praying to God. Because, and look, if you just start the habit, science shows if you do something every day for 21 days, it's habit. It becomes habit for you. That's why I'm, I'm pushing the devotion so much. And I've got, you know, I printed off devotions for y'all to do every day. That's why I told the teenagers, if you read your Bible every day, if you read these three-minute devotions every day, I'll give you 100 bucks at the end of the year. Say, so that's going to cost a lot of money. I don't care if some of them develop the habit, like Lexi. I was going to, she went to bed last night, and I was, I was going to set the coffee, and I passed her room. And she was in bed reading her devotion. You know why she's doing it right now? Out of spite to me. <laughs> to prove me wrong and get that $100. You know what? I don't care. Because if it builds in her a habit of every day reading the Bible, that's what I want. So just say, okay, for the next month, Every day at 5 a.m., at 5 p.m., before I go to bed, when the kids are asleep, whenever I have time, I'm going to take five, ten minutes. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to go to God and say, okay, God, help me 
Give, Lord, lay on my heart what you want me to pray for. And that five, ten minutes will eventually grow into 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, until you have developed a, t- a habit of I am praying to God every single day. But maybe you're the other kind, and you, you pray faithfully every day, but you don't, you don't go to God pretty regularly. You, you talk to Him in the morning. Once you say amen, that's it. I'll talk to you again tomorrow, God. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll mention you over my burrito, but right now, that's it. You need to get the habit of just going to God. So how do you do that? I, I, I would really say, especially if you, you go somewhere, you work or you're out of the house, get, some, get a pack of Post-it notes and put Post-it notes. Put a Post-it note on your fridge. Pray. Put a Post-it note on your dashboard in your car. Pray before you go into work. What am I praying for? God, help me have a good day. God, help me glorify you. Set timers. Just try to get yourself in the habit of when something comes up, your first response is, and again, you don't have to go to God for 30 minutes before you go to work. Just in your car, say, okay, God, help me today. Help me have a good day. Lord, help me glorify you. Lord, help me share my faith with somebody. God, give me wisdom today. God, I'm going to the doctor. Help everything turn out right. Lord, I'm, I'm doing this. Help, help, just be with me today. That's what Nehemiah did. He spent days fasting and praying. Then when the opportunity came up, he didn't go to the king and say, okay, king, give me, give me 30 minutes so I can talk to God. He just said, okay, God, this is it. I need your help. Give me favor. Quick, real quick, just prayers, just setting them up. Set timers on your phone. Whatever you got to do, sticky notes everywhere. Come up with some, some way that's going to get you in the habit of throughout the day, regularly, God, I need you today. Even if it's like when I send April a text, I love you. Even if it's just, God, I love you. Thanks for being so good to me. That's it. See, God doesn't want to hear that. Who doesn't like hearing I love you? Who doesn't like being told, thank you for being good to me? Just we have to have both of those in our walk with God. But how could Nehemiah pray like this? What gave him the faith and the courage and the the character to do this. He was rooted in who God is. He believed God is good, so I'm going to go to God. He believed God keeps his word, God fulfills his promises, and God provides. So he was able because he believed the word of God and he believed God was who he said he was, that he could go before God boldly, say, God, you promised this, you kept your word, so I'm going to come to you. I need you during all these times. When you read his prayer, his prayer is word for word from Deuteronomy chapter 7 when Moses is going before God. And look, here's one in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Here's what he's, what he's praying. When you produce children and grandchildren, you have remained a, a, uh, and you have remained a long time in the land, and you corrupt yourselves and make graven images or the likeness of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely and suddenly perish from off the land that you are going across the Jordan to possess. That's not a verse we put on a T-shirt. Where God's, God promises... You don't keep your word, you start worshiping idols, you're going to get punished for it. 
But Nehemiah praised that because he goes, God, you said you'd do it. You did it. But you also said you'd bring us back. So, Lord, I know you keep your word. So his confidence to go before the king and to ask God to help rebuild what the king's nation had destroyed was God's word. Say, what are you you getting at, preacher? Your prayer life is going to stink. I don't care if you have a a daily time in prayer or you spend an hour praying to God and you're faithful to go to God throughout the day. If you're not spending time in the Word of God and knowing the Word of God, doesn't matter. See, Nehemiah, in his prayer to God, he is quoting Scripture back to God. Why? Because God forgot? No. He's reminding himself, God, you keep your promises. God, you're good to us. God, you're faithful to us. Yeah, it's bad now, but God, you love us. And you said you're going to do these things. So we, if we're going to have a a heart for God and a desire to serve God, then we've got to be faithfully in the Word of God, learning it, studying it, memorizing it, reading it, faithful to pray to God every single day, and then faithful to go to God when troubles arise. Because here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to earth, live a perfect life, because you couldn't, die in your place, absorb the wrath of God for your sins, go to the grave for three days and rise again, just to save you from eternity in hell. Is that part of it? That's a great bonus. He did that because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you every single day. That's why the Bible talks about salvation is like a marriage. You know, your marriage is never going to last if you don't talk. If me and April got married on August 29th, 29th, 1998. Yeah, yeah, okay, 98. I, see, her birthday's the 28th, and so I get them confused. So we got all, all you know, if, if we got married and we stood up there and, you know, I promised to love and cherish her and she promised to love and obey, which she has not kept that one, uh, but she, we gave our vows to each other and we're pronounced husband and wife and kissed the bride, and then I left and never spoke to her again. Is that a marriage? No. I mean, we're legally married, but it's not a relationship. So why would, we, why would God do everything for us, come live a perfect life, die in our place, rise again, just to save us and say, okay, once you accept me as your Savior, I'll talk to you when you get to heaven. Until then, I don't need you. And you don't need me. God endured the cross. He went through the shame. He took the beating. He took our sins. He was buried and rose again, yes, to save us, but also to have a fellowship relationship with us. So talk to God. Let him talk to you through his word. If we want to be used of God to restore, to revive, and to rebuild, it's not going to happen if we don't have a faithful, dedicated prayer life to God. We've got to set aside time each day to talk to God and allow God to talk to us through his word. But don't just leave it there. Throughout the day, make it a habit to go to God. Even even if it's just, God, I love you. Everything's great. Thanks for that. 
Like I told you last week, I, I, I pray for my car. Did God answer my prayer? Not the way I wanted to, but I didn't, I didn't go in my truck before I prayed for it to God to keep it working, which he didn't answer, and spend an hour beseeching God and quoting scripture as to why God should let my truck work. I just got in and said, God, let it work for a while. Lord, I need it. Because I'd already spent time trying to find scripture to justify me anointing it with WD-40 and God making it work forever. But we, got, we have those times where we go to God daily, but we go to God throughout the day. Both are necessary. Both are needed for us to have a, to be, have a relationship with God and for us to be used incredibly by a great God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.